Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. It's great to be with you this morning. I'm ex- just excited. I'm a, I stay excited about what is going on around this place. I, I really do. Um, I'm, I'm thankful uh, to just have a glimpse uh, from from God of what uh, He wants to do. I can't even imagine what He truly wants to do in us. But I'm excited to just have a glimpse of what He wants to do in and through us. And so. Um, uh, I say again, God's working some amazing things. Uh, we I keep telling you about this. There's another. I told you there's more babies coming. There's another one born this week, so that's one a week for the last two weeks. I don't know if next week might be the next one coming, but we, there is another one, uh, another one coming. So, uh, if anybody wants to donate, we need some more rockers in the nursery. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, and and if you want to volunteer, we need more rockers to sit in the rockers um, too. So, but that's a isn't that a great problem to have? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a phenomenal problem to have. Um, and so we don't look at I guess we don't look at it so much as a as a problem, but a, a blessing and a challenge. So, uh, I, I'd ask you this morning if you would turn back in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter two. <clears throat> in Ephesians chapter two, we're gonna. Just look at a, a few thoughts this morning about this whole plan that God has laid out for us that we started talking about last week and the execution of that plan. I told you we're, we're, we're stepping into application and we're going to be hard into application. So today I'm looking at as the very, very first step of application. God has a plan. We have to ourselves plan our lives into his will. And so what is the best way to start a plan? And God actually has this prescribed in his word. It's so beautiful. But we need to take a look back before we press forward. I've not made a lot of great plans, but I have tried to plan some things. And there are, I'm sure many folks have tried to plan certain things. But even if you were just going on vacation, and you look back and go, you know what? We will never go there again because of the experience we had. Anybody ever had one of those times? Or maybe we'll never go there at this time of the year again. Uh, so looking back is not, um, is not a bad thing. As a matter of fact, studying history enables us to develop a better understanding of historical events, and that helps us better plan for future events. Listen to the scriptures. And so I'm going to start again 
verse 1. I want to read through, but when we get down to verse 11, start paying great attention to that, those verses. In verse 1, I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you would, while we read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 19. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of, of the flesh and of the mind, were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, raised us up together, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show his exceeding riches of his, the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. And now watch verse 11. He says, therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise, covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity or the war, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he, and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Father, would you please take your word this morning. Teach us a little bit about our yesterdays. It may even possibly could be that somebody's future starts today. But for those of us that are saved today, no matter how long we have been saved, God, would you take us back so that we can go forward in Christ's name. Amen. And you can be seated. So I believe that God even teaches us here in verse 11. He says, therefore, remember. Now, that's enough to ponder on for just a moment right there. That means to take a look back, to recall something from the past. And so he says, that we are to remember that we were once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. Did you know that before Christ in your life, Christ in my life, that we were socially divided? 
We were so that's a big word today, isn't it? Social division, social justice. That you and I, uh, at one time, as Christians, and this may come as a surprise to some Christians, but that's why we're talking about it this morning. That if we look back, if you're a child of God, there was a time when you were socially divided, just as they were in that day and time. Did you know there's always been division among people? Always. I mean, look all the way back to the garden. What does Adam do right off the bat? Lord, that woman that you gave me. Yeah, that woman that you gave me. And then here we got Cain and Abel, and we just go right on down through history, and we land in Ephesians chapter 2, and we find that in Ephesians chapter 2, if we take the whole scope of what's going on there, there's a lot of division going on, a lot of social division. Uh, There are... Jews and Gentiles that do, care, do not care anything for each other. There are Jewish men and Jewish women, and the Jewish men treat the Jewish women as if they were, well, less than they should have been treated. You've got Greeks that think that if you're not a Greek, that everybody else on the face of the planet is a barbarian. And so you've got all of this social division that's going on. That's not something that's new. Social division is not limited to skin color. I just want to get that out there. You can go into a lot of communities and you'll find that the demographics will divide you socially. Economics divide us socially. I mean, there's so many things that divide us socially, but don't forget that as a child of God, before Christ... That was a truth. But in Christ, that is no longer true. In Christ, you and I have had something happen. Let me, let me read a couple verses to you here. And I want you to hear what Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, that it shouldn't be that way. In verses 1 through 3 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, uh, as to natural men. As to babes in Christ, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? That's a strong indictment, isn't it? I mean, when you think about it, that is, that is a huge indictment that, that Christ, and we'll get more into this whole breaking down the middle wall of separation and stuff as we walk in, but don't miss the fact that even in our natural lives, that when, what Christ has done for us and in us and is doing through us, he has taken away our, our right to be divided, especially within the church house. You and I within the church house, there should be no divisions among brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, we're going to get into spiritual things, but even into the, to, to the uh, entering into those spiritual things, that there should be no division in Christ. That there is just one man that God has made. He's made it from multiple, but he has brought us to one place. Um, <laughs> the Jewish people... When you think about 
what they did, it kind of reminds us what it can easily happen within the church. When God set the covenant with the Jewish people, he set them apart for a particular reason. He wanted the rest of the world to know that there was a people that was separated unto him. And they took that and uh, turned it to their advantages to, to benefit them. Even the courts, the way the, the, the temple set up, the court of the Gentiles, the court of the women, and then the court of the Jewish men, and then the inner courts. When Jesus ran the money changers out of the temple, it was because they had perverted what God had set up as a witnessing tool. That the Gentiles were to be able to come close in, with not as close as the Jews were, but to come close in so that they might see that God had a people separated out to himself. Isn't it amazing in church life? Isn't it amazing in church life that we can be so segregated, even amongst ourselves, even if there's a church that has all people in it of the same tone of skin, we can think that we're better than somebody else. We, we can be envious of other people and what they may have. And we can be so divided. As a matter of fact, it's often been said it's the most divided hour in the United States of America. It's 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. I know this to be a true story. I've spoke, spoken to first-hand people when it happened, but I won't name names. There was a church that was running a busing, uh, like, like outreach, going out and picking kids up. And they were bringing these kids in. I want you to listen to, listen to this. This, this is people that profess to be Christians. They went and picked them up, brought them to church. Well, glory be just so happens that some of the kids wanted to get involved with what's going on at the church. One of the kids in particular wanted to sing in a choir. You know what they did? They shut the busing ministry down because they wouldn't go let him sing in the choir. Now we, we, we look at that and we go, oh, that's horrible, preacher. How many times have you ever looked down your nose at anybody? In, in God's house. Here, you never know who God might bring through that door. You have no right to choose who comes in that door. It's his house. He not only owns the property, he owns the people that sit in it at this moment. And see, that's what Paul's getting across. That you who once were aliens... He has brought you and brought me near by the blood of Jesus Christ, not because of anything that you and I could ever bring to the table. Listen to what he says in, in the previous verses. Don't forget that you were once children of wrath, just as the others. We were not born with some birthright to Christianity. You and I have been saved, if we're saved, we've been saved by the amazing grace of Almighty God. Somebody asked me not long ago, preacher, would these people here be welcome to come into the church? 
And I, I, I said, the day that they're not, somebody's not welcome unless there is a serious situation where somebody's health, I mean, uh, safety is in danger or somebody's inappropriately exposing themselves. If somebody's not will, able to come in that door, that'll be the day that I leave. The day that the church decides that somebody's not worthy to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and to have him radically transform their lives, that's the day I dust my feet off. Because I look in my own life and I see what God's trying to remind us of. He said, remember that when you go on mission, you have to go on mission Understanding that you can't pick and choose where you go. You can't pick and choose who you talk to. You can't pick and choose who you share the gospel with. If it's his plan, his will. I have friends on the other side of the spectrum that try to stack the deck, and they're just as wrong as anybody else. They purposely go out, and they're going to integrate the church and I go, you're wrong. Where, when, when will we say, God, where would you have us go? God, what would you have us do? And that's the place that we need to be resting in. If we're going to go forward, there's no need to go on mission for God within the church body or even outside the church house. Just yesterday, to God be the glory, there was an outreach that was done by Chestnut Ridge at the Bessemer City Pool. I, all I know is they had prepared, I think, for at least 200 people, and they ran out um, stuff to, to give away. Check this out. The city council is excited about the fact that we're out there doing that. There's even they're even trying to work. They invited us. This is so lovely. They invited us, and I guess is it working out, Jeremy? This you got to meet with them. They said, "Hey, if we put on a movie night, would y'all come feed them concessions? You better believe it." Listen, let me tell you what happens when you go out there for the glory of God. Even the secular world will acknowledge the fact that God's doing something. For, the, for them to invite us in, I know there's Christian folks in those positions and stuff, but it ain't as easy to get that stuff to happen as you think it is. What I'm trying to tell you is that in Christ, there is no social division anymore. Before Christ, we were spiritually divided. Before Christ, we were spiritually, spiritually divided. I want to, I want to uh, read a few more verses. He says, Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world that we were at one time, you and I, if, you, if we, you're saved today, at one time, you and I were spiritually divided. 
In other words, there's two groups of people in this world when it comes to spiritual and non-spiritual. I've shared this with you, that when God instituted the covenant with Abraham, he had Abraham earmark them out as a separate people. His people. And that everybody else was of the Gentile Gentiles that they that and you and I were Gentiles in the flesh, but God has taken and broken down the middle wall of separation. Now He has made in us uh, a, a spiritual people. We were not of the covenant, and and so in in life there are two types of people. There are the people that are covenant people, people that God has saved, and then there are lost people. That's the only one. I've shared this last week, and I just want to reiterate it, that our DNA proves that there is one race on the face of this planet. One race. I don't know for sure, but I do know for sure that there are some preachers that are heading off into some dangerous places right now. One of them has actually, I think, changed the name of his church, or at least they're jokingly changing their name of their church to Melanin Church. They also have, now have people, if, from what I understand, that are bringing lawsuits from in the church against the church because of the fact that they don't, their bylaws don't adequately fit for everybody to be a part of leadership and things. Long and short of it, it sounds like they got what they asked for. What I'm trying to tell you is you and I have got to get past in this world the whole idea that division on this earth is anything more than just what I told you, that there are saved people and there are lost people. There is no reconciling of differences and peace found anywhere else other than the cross of Jesus Christ. You're not going to find it in any movement that tries to bring peace any other way than through the cross of Calvary. You won't do it. You and I did not choose to be born where we were born, nor to look like we look. Nor did anybody else on the face of this planet. And you need to hear this. That you and I, if you have something to apologize for, you better apologize for what you have done while you have been on this earth in your body. But you and I do not apologize for anything that anybody else has done on the face of this planet. We don't have to pay recompense for anything that somebody else has done. And that's not an arrogant statement. That's just a truthful statement. And the reason it's true is because I did not choose to be born where I was born. I was born in Baptist Hospital, Columbia, South Carolina. Shortly thereafter, I was moved to Winsboro, South Carolina, Route 2, Box 11. Winsboro, South Carolina, 29180. I didn't choose that. God sovereignly ordained that in my life. And no matter where you were born, no matter where you grew up, whether you grew up in a mobile home or whether you grew up in a mansion, whether you, the world considers you to be broke or you to be rich, you are who God allowed you to be. And don't you ever, ever, I don't care who you are. And if you're watching, I don't care what color your skin is. Don't you ever hold your head down if you're a child of God. 
You're his. He created you. He fashioned you. And in Christ, there's just saved people and lost people, non-spiritual people and spiritual people. But he's telling you, if you're going to go out here on mission, don't you forget. Don't you forget that you once were lost too. Remember that you were once like this. Do you know that peace is impossible where there is no where there is division? Peace is impossible where there's division. And this is the whole point. How many of y'all would love to have peace in your life? There are people who live in homes together that are married, have families, and there's no peace in that home. You know why there's no peace? Because there's division. I'll never forget sitting down counseling with somebody or counseling with a couple, only one counseling session. He was a Jehovah's Witness, and she was raised Catholic, but thinks she might want to be Baptist. And I, I just sit down with them, young people in college, wanting to get married, want me to marry them. And I said, where are y'all going to church? I hadn't really thought about that. I said, well, you might want to think about that. I said, because you know that y'all don't, if you know what you believe, you don't believe the same thing. Well, we, it, it'll all work out because we love each other. Yeah. Well, you'll work this one out with somebody else because I don't know that you want me to marry you. But you know, it's the same way. You know that a house divided will not stand. A relationship divided is going to be on shifting sand that, that even within the church life, that's why it's so important that you and I understand and agree on the doctrine that we believe. That, that you and I are on the same page, and that's why it's important. <clears throat> I'd save this for later, but I'll just go ahead and pull it, pull it out now because I think it fits better right here. See, that's what the world's looking for. We, they're looking for somebody that's a good person, or at least that's what they say anyhow. We need to vote for this person because they didn't treat women bad or they didn't do this wrong or they didn't inhale when they was in college or whatever. You know, because we all, and, 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 it's, and it's the way we seem to think, at least at some point, because at least retroactively, because we always want to criticize them for everything they did wrong once they get into office, right? Do you realize that that's why it's so important that this be the guide? That this be the cornerstone? Because there is no one that's good. None. But there is a man named Jesus. The only one. Do you, you realize that you and I, if we were not governed by this, we're in trouble? I was just sitting down talking with somebody yesterday. The very sentiment that we were talking about is that I can't trust me. And if you trust you, you're probably not very wise. You say, you don't understand, preacher. I'm better than the people around me. <laughs> Take heed. 
lest you fall. You see, I've come to find that the greatest leaders are the most humble people. Humble when it comes to who's on the throne. James 4, 1 through 3 says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Everybody wonders a lot of times about those verses that talk about, you know, well, if I'll claim it, it's mine. And stuff like all that line of thinking. I have to quote Kenneth Ridings because it's the best I've ever heard. When the sheep wants what the shepherd wants it to have, it will always have what it wants. And our greatest conflict in our lives for peace is us wanting what God wants and not what we want. Do you you know that, uh, I'm going to move on here to, to finish some things up. Christ destroyed the dividing wall through his death. I'm going to read a few verses while you get that. Christ destroyed the dividing wall through his death. In verse 12 again, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity or the war, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. That Christ Jesus... He took away all of the courts. There is no Gentile court. There is no women's court. There is no Jewish men's court. There is, we all, everybody in Christ Jesus has access to God. That, that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Isn't that awesome? That, that we once were afar off, away from him. And now he invites us because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because Christ has taken down the separation now. And you and I, you have just as much access to God as I do. It it turns my stomach biblically when I think about the priesthood within the Catholic Church. As if I've got to come to some priest to be able to get to God. When the scriptures themselves tell me, that if I am one of his children, he beckons me to come unto him. All who labor and are heavy laden. He didn't say, come to a priest so that a priest might come. I have a priest. His name's Jesus Christ. He's my great high priest. And he's forever interceding on my behalf. <clears throat> and what couldn't be accomplished on this earth through the sacrifices that were given, Jesus Christ accomplished forever, once and for all. He took the sacrificial death that he paid on the cross into the very holy of holies in heavens, which down here was just a copy, but that was the real thing. And he accomplished once and for all 
what I could never accomplish and what you could never accomplish. And because of that, now there is no separation between us and God. And he has us to just, well, call upon him. I don't know if you've ever talked to him, but it's a sweet thing to be in communion with the Lord. A sweet thing. Do you know that it's amazing how he can just envelop the atmosphere in which you are in when he's near. And it's, it's just almost it's sometimes it's overwhelming to know that God loves us even while we were yet sinners. Christ loved us and he died for us. And he's trying to remind us that if we're going to go on mission for him, if we're going to go on mission for him, we have to pay attention to what things were like so that we know how to accurately go out here. I'll never forget, and I don't mean to beat up much on, on, on the, uh, well, it is what it is. And decisions were made. I'll never forget my own story of a man coming and talking to me. I was a member of two churches. I grew up in one. I got put on the roll, I guess, about nine years old when I was baptized. Blows my mind, you know, if you baptize, you're automatically just put on the church roll, but I don't know where, what verse and stuff that's in. But anyhow, I lived about, what would you say, Christy, from this wall to that wall from my grandmama, from my mom? Might have been closer than that. I would watch people come visit her as she got older. I'd see some folks pull up from the church, the preacher and different folks pull up. They had to pass my door to get to her door. Now, like I say, God may not have led them there, but it just stands out in my mind. I remember it so distinctly. And I remember it because of where things are now. A man from out of town, uh, somebody that wasn't from our area, came knocked on my door. And I wondered why in the world did they never come knock on my door? This was a day and time when that was okay. I know things have changed a little bit and, you know, that kind of stuff, but I remember Charles Kennedy even testified. Charles didn't grow up in my area either, but Charles was also, uh, he and his wife, Miss Deborah, Charles has gone on to be with the Lord. Ray Elder has gone on to be with the Lord, and their wives are still here on this earth. At, but those two men and their wives would come visit. I remember in the, at the Buncombe County Baptist Association, Charles was a, he, he was something else. They had their itinerary or whatever. He went up there and got a hold of the microphone <laughs> during their business meeting, their associational meeting, to testify. And he shared the testimony of coming to my house. He said it took him a while for God to under help him understand. Because understand, Charles was a white man, worked for UPS as a mechanic. I was a white man, still am. <laughs> um, 
So it wasn't like that Charles was coming to somebody's house of a different color than him. Charles lived in a nice house. Charles made good money, took care of his money, lived in a nice house. Me and Christy was just getting started out, and we didn't live in what you would, a lot of people would call a nice house. And Charles told me, he said, you know, he said, this is his testimony. I don't remember this. Christy and I talked about this. And I don't remember this, but this is what Charles said. He said he would walk up to the back door, which is the door we come in and out the most. And he said there were buckets of crushed beer cans by the back door. And he said, God, why? It's uncomfortable. Why would you have me go there? And at that time, I was at Fruitland. And he said, now I know. See, you don't know what God might do through you. If you'll just remember that God at one time brought you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. That you did not do that yourself. And had the gospel not come to you, where would you be today? This peace that God gives is not just another version of peace. It's an all new kind of quality and integrity. Uh, John MacArthur uh, alludes to it like this. It's not like a new car coming off the assembly line that's a part of a model that they're, that's just another, a model that they're making where there's another one and another one. He said, it's not like that. He said, it's a one of a kind thing that only God does. Uh, MacArthur says this, that peace only comes when self dies and the only place self dies is at the foot of Calvary. <laughs> uh, we try so often to pick these best people, but once again, Jesus is the only good man. Could it be, and this is just in closing here, I, I want to read a few, let me read these verses because this is good uh, just to hear these verses. Verse 17, and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens of the, with the saints and members of the household of God. Isn't that good news? Right, come on, church. Is that good news to you? You know, we always, we're very proud of our nationality and all this other kind of stuff, but, but think about that. There's going to be a time when the American flag is going to disappear. It'll be no more. There's going to be a time when you won't hear the national anthem. You know, I mean, we, we won't have those things because when we get with him, our allegiance will fully be directed toward his kingdom. That, that we who are far off, now we, at that time we will truly be brought into the light of being near. So could it be that we're on the throne instead of on our knees at the cross in our lives, our own personal lives? I think these are some things to ponder. When we get ready to go out and to, to witness to people, when we outreach, when we inreach to each other, 
I think it's good for us to have the humility to know that God has brought us from somewhere. Let me ask you this, and this is, this is, this is your litmus test to take with you. Can you trend change in your life because of what Christ has done? We, we uh, trending, Lord, you can't hardly trend nothing right now um, with the way things are turned upside down. But in church life, we try to trend stuff. It's, we always typically know that summertime, people are going to go on vacation, so there's a chance that offerings are going to drop because people are going to spend their money going on vacations and forget about God's kingdom work and stuff. That's sad to think, but that's just, just the truth. It's just the truth. Now, I'm, I can be honest and say this. I am very thankful to serve at an extremely faithful church. I mean, God, uh, I'm just thankful uh, for so many folks that are so faithful here. And we trend a lot of other things, you know. It's like, well, we know that in September, the attendance will kind of come back up. Why? Because of vacation and we'll be kind of be over with. And plus people, uh, normally that's true. We don't know that it's going to be true this go around because we just don't know anything because of COVID hardly anymore. But in your life, is there a trend? Is there a pattern? Is there something that you can look at and say, you know, I don't look at people differently like I used to. I just see souls. Do you know that that's what we're in the business of? It's souls. I really don't care. Red, yellow, blue, black, white, green, I don't care. If they're a human being walking around on the face of this earth, Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross to save them. It's about people. That's why, that's why that we're, we're doing some things in the balcony to renovate. That's why we added on up here. It's because of people. If it wasn't because of people, I sure wouldn't be doing it just, be, just to be doing it. We want to make room for people because we believe that God wants to save more folks. And he's going to. As a matter of fact, in, when Peter preached in Acts, and as many as the Lord our God shall call. Last time I checked, he still called them. Just text one of my pastor friends last night. And all. he said, we've had seven saved in the last three months. I said, go get them, brother. Go get them, man. And by God's grace, God is going to allow us the opportunity to see his hand at work. And that's what it's all about, folks. People. You. That the person you're sitting beside is important to God and should be important to us, right? That we should care for them. Uh, I'm just sitting here thinking as a, from a pastoral standpoint, some folks that we have had the privilege of doing church with for a good number of years, now they've come to a different stage in life. Jerry, Brenda Dover, Miss Brenda is at uh, rehab right this minute. After having surgery, her daughter texted me last night. One of the daughters texted me last night and said, hey, just wanted to let you know an update so that if anybody wants to come see them, it'd be great, be encouraging to them and all. Daddy's at home, mama's at the rehab and all, and them two are uh, they miserable when they're apart. I just reason I say that is that you and I as a church family have a responsibility to go love on them and, and to encourage them and st strengthen them. I can tell you this, you wouldn't have seats to sit in or a building to be in if it wasn't for some of those people. You know, 
but they had a mindset of the fact that people were important, that people mattered. And so I just want to encourage you, get active, get to being a part of the, the, the body of Christ here. Let God work through you. I believe that just like Abby's getting ready to go be used of God, that God can use every person in this room. He can use you. He wants to use you. And think about this. He, he died on the cross so that he could use you. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? It is. I mean, it is, it is awesome. The greatest question is, will you let him? Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life, uh, God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me, that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today that you would today, before God, just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us, and so we look forward to hearing from you. so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. God bless you guys.